with reasons, you get results, right? If you don't have a reason to remember names or to remember what you read or to, to work out, you're not going to do it consistently, right? You need, a, you need a reason to get the reward. On this week's podcast, I had the pleasure of spending some time with Jim Quick, incredible human who comes from a place of, I think he would say disability. Jim was not a fast learner as a kid. He had a brain injury due to an actual traumatic injury when he fell and hit a radiator with his head but he found out these ways. He's such an incredible self-made human. He found these ways. He read the books and he was able to train his brain to be truly exceptional. So in this podcast, we talk about memory, how to remember names, which is something I've been thinking about a lot recently. How many people's names I forget because I'm not using these memory tools. We provide a lot of tools for your mental clarity, focus, and your memory that will help you improve the quality of your life. This is everything. We talk about nutrition as well. Obviously, there are many ways you can improve quality of your thoughts with sleep, with nutrition, meat, organs, fruit, honey, raw dairy, supplements from hard and soil supplements, etc. There are many ways you can improve your cognition with your lifestyle, sleep, sunlight in the morning, getting in nature, also the quality of your diet, an animal-based diet full of organs and meat, I think will improve your cognition, plenty of choline. We talk about all of this in the podcast. There are so many actionable takeaways and Jim is a master of telling stories and making it entertaining. So enjoy this podcast with Jim Quick. This is pretty incredible one, guys. Enjoy. Jim, thanks for coming on the podcast. I have a very serious question to start us out. Um, your last name is Quick, and you teach about <laughs> brain stuff and how to think faster and read faster. And my last name is Salad, and I don't like Salad. So is that your real last name, or is this just a stage name? <laughs> yeah, stage. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, I was teased a lot. People call me slow because I wasn't a very fat class. Uh, fast reader or I was very slow in class and I wasn't much of a runner. Uh, I had to work really hard at it. No, Quick really is my last name, Paul. It, my father's name, my grandfather's name. I didn't change it to do what I do. With a name like Quick, you could say my, my life was pretty much planned out. I was a runner back in school, which is a lot of pressure when it says Quick right on your shirt. Yes. Um, I have to be very careful when I'm driving of all things because the worst name to have on your driver's license when you get pulled over for speeding is the name Quick. <laughs> As you'll hear a bunch of jokes there and you can't talk your way out of that speeding ticket. And I get to do my mission in life, which is teach people to learn quicker, think quicker, focus quicker, uh, read quicker, remember things quicker. And yeah, it's, uh, yeah, that, but that's funny with the salad. <laughs> it is, it's like, I'll never hear the end of it, Jim. I promise you, like, I'll never hear the end of it. The other day I was on with Russell Brand and he goes, He's got salad in his name, but not in his game. And I was like, I haven't, that's good. I mean, oh, that's a good one. Everyone just, yeah, people, it's just, it's a common thread online. I can't believe this guy has salad. I was like, but so you guys know that's my real last name. Yeah. Dad's family's from Italy, Sicily and Palermo uh, and Menfi, and they came through Ellis Island. So yeah, it's, it's my real last name too. Not, neither of these are stage names. Um, <laughs> but it was interesting for me to see in your book, Limitless, that, and, and hard for me to believe that, that you were a slow learner as a kid. Yeah, it's interesting how your struggles could become strengths over, over time. I had a traumatic brain injury when I was in kindergarten class. I had an accident. I lost my balance, went headfirst into a, a radiator, rushed to the emergency room. And uh, before my parents said I was, you know, as a five-year-old, very energized and curious and playful. But afterwards, it, I really shut down. Really? And uh, where it really showed up was in school. I was put in a, kind of a special group of kids that was just... Uh, it's just funny. They had, because I, I spent time with a lot of kids doing geeky things like video games and Dungeons and Dragons and comic books, but they all had the grades and I didn't. And I remember one day, I've never, I don't think I've talked about this publicly before. One day, uh, a teacher came in and said, 
exciting news, kids. We're creating a, a new program uh, called MASP because you are exceptional. And MASP stands for More Able Student Program. And they chose everyone to go, but they, I wasn't on the list along with uh, Joey, who was also not on the list. So we created our own group, just the two of us, called LASP, Less <laughs> Able Student Program. But um, yeah, I had processing issues. So I had poor focus, poor memory, but where it really showed up was teachers would explain themselves and to me four or five times, and I still wouldn't get it. And I would just pretend to understand, but I didn't really understand. When I was nine years old, I was slowing the class down so much, I was being teased really harsh that day. And teacher came to my defense and said, in front of the whole class, pointed to me and said, leave that kid alone. That's the boy with the broken brain. <laughs> and I was like, wow, I didn't know I was broken until that point. But every single time I did badly in school or wasn't picked for sports, which was all the time, that became my talk. I was like, oh, because I have the broken brain. So uh, yeah, the life has a sense of humor because my two biggest challenges growing up were learning. And because I was not a good learner, I never wanted to be called on in class. My superpower was like shrinking down and being invisible because I never knew the answer. I was phobic of public speaking because of it. But yeah, life has a sense of humor because all I do is public speak on this thing called learning. So uh, yeah, that's a, that's a paradox and a, kind of a little bit of a, a puzzle. So where, where did it change? Like, I guess this is your story and this is the spark. This is the interesting piece, like, or one of them. Like, how did you turn that around? So, and I'll, I'll do that. I'll, and then, you know, I'm looking at this conversation on how I kind of upgraded my brain uh, with, with the tactics, but it, maybe some people can relate uh, to my story. I was, um, so I went through, this, was a, this wasn't just like a year thing. This was all through elementary school, middle school, junior high, and high school. I, I mean, I, I almost got kicked out because I was failing English in, in high school, like freshman English. And it was very embarrassing. I remember the teacher brought in my parents and gave me an opportunity to pass by doing a book report on Albert Einstein and, you know, smart person. And I realized actually doing a book report that he had learning disabilities, quote unquote, um, and achieved, you know, a good amount in his life. But, um, and I was like, I'm going to do it. I, I worked on it for weeks and weeks and weeks. Spent all this time in the library. Back then, there was no internet. You know, I'm in my 50s, and this was like a long time ago. Um, but then, the day it was due, my parents they surprised me, and they had it professionally bound, and I couldn't wait to hand it. It does like the first thing I did well, right? And I'm sitting in class, can't wait to hand it in to the teacher. And towards the end of the class, the teacher's like, "All right, kids, we have a we have a surprise for everybody. This is freshman high school, Jim." come to the front of the class and tell us about your book report. And I freaked out because she never said I had this, give a book, yeah, I talked to people about it. And, I'm, and I can't even breathe. Like my heart's beating out of my chest. I'm perspiring. And I, I look at her and I stutter that I didn't do it. I lied. And you can see the disappointment in her face. And you know, as everyone left the class, at the end of the class, I remember I was the only one there. And I, on the way out, I reached into my book bag and I took out this, you know, this word, this, my work professionally about and everything. I threw it in the trash. Oh, I mean, that, that was a very kind of, it's it like a metaphor. I was like throwing away my hopes or potential. Right. But fast forward, um, when I graduated high school, I was lucky enough to get into a local state school. And I, I thought freshmen meant you can make a fresh start. That's what I thought. So I took all these classes. I'm going to show the world and make my parents proud and prove to myself I'm, I, I could do this. And I did worse, like horribly worse, right? And my parents immigrated to the States. At, you know, my dad lost both his parents when he was 13. And we lived in the back of a laundromat that my mom worked at. And 
you know, everybody has their story, right? But I really want to make them proud. But we didn't have the money for me to be in school. And I'm the oldest of three siblings. And I wanted to be a good role model for my brother and sister. So I was like, I'm going to quit. I just, it's not, school's not for me. And when I told that to a friend of mine, he was like, well, that's a big decision. You know, before you tell your family, why don't you come with me this weekend? I'm going to visit my folks, get some perspective. And I realized when you change a place or the people you spend time with, it changes your point of view, right? And the family is very well off and beautiful home on the water. And the father walks me around his property before dinner and asks me a question, innocent question, but it's the worst question you could ask me. He says, Jim, how's school? And I just break down. Like I'm very, you know, just shy, introverted, very, you know, a lot of self-doubt in this 18-year-old kid. And I start bawling in front of this complete stranger and and I tell him about my whole story, broken brain, ready to quit school, don't know how to tell my family. And he's like, well, Jim, why are you in school? And nobody's ever asked me that question. So I was like, well, I guess you just, this is what you do, right? You go to school and get a job. And and I was like, I didn't really know. And he was like, well, what do you want to be? What do you want to do? What do you want to have? What do you want to contribute? And I, nobody's ever asked that question. So another way besides perspective is asking ourselves a new question because it kind of changed our focus, right? And I start to go to answer him. And I'll finish the story in a moment. And, and he says, stop. He reaches out and takes out like a journal. And it makes me write down the answers, right? Like creating a dream list or a bucket list, right? And when I'm done, I start folding the sheets of paper to put in my pocket. And he rips it out of my hands. And he starts reading my dreams. And I've never shared this stuff with anybody, right? And these kind of fantasies, things I want to do. And, and when he's done, Paul, he goes like, Jim, you are this close to everything on this list. And if people are just listening to this, not on video, I'm spreading my index fingers like a foot apart. And then I was like, no way, give me 10 lifetimes. I can't crack that list. And he takes his fingers and he puts them to the side of my head, meaning what's in between is like the key. And he takes me into a room of his home I've never seen before. It is wall to wall, ceiling to floor, covered in books. Now, remember, I can't read very well. I've never finished a book before. It's like being in a room full of snakes because I'm very intimidated. But what makes it worse, Paul, is he starts grabbing snakes off the shelf and handing them to me. And, and I'm holding these books and I'm looking at these titles and there are these biographies of incredible men and women in history and some very early personal growth books like Napoleon Hill, Dale Carnegie, Think and Grow Rich, those kind of things, right? And he says, Jim, I, he said, you have to read to succeed. I want you to read one book a week. Now, I'll, and my immediate reaction was, are you kidding me? Did you not listen to anything I said? I have a broken brain. I'm ready to quit school. He's like, I already, I said, I have all this schoolwork. Can't possibly do that. When I said schoolwork, he pulled out this uh, Mark Twain quote saying, don't let school interfere with your education. And I was like, wow, that's very profound, but I can't do that. Right. And like my parents raised me, if I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. And then very smart man, he reaches into his pocket, takes out my dream list. And he has the audacity to start reading all my goals and dreams out loud. And Paul, I can't tell you what it was like to hear your, to hear, imagine you're an 18 year old kid that's very fearful and, you know, very insecure, hearing your dreams in another man's voice out in, you know, the universe. And honestly, there are a lot of things on that list I want to do for my, my parents, things they could never afford, or even if they could, they wouldn't do for themselves. So with that motivation, I realized that we talk a lot about in Limitless Expanded, how to have a limitless motivation to get yourself to eat right or, or work out or whatever. With that purpose, I go back to school and I have a pile of books I have to read for midterms and a pile of books I promise to read. And I already couldn't get through pile A. 
So where do I get the time? I don't eat. I don't sleep. I don't work out. I don't, I don't socialize. I don't do anything. I just live in the library for weeks and weeks. And one night I pass out at 2 a.m. out of sheer exhaustion at the library. I fall down a flight of stairs. I hit my head again. And I woke up in the hospital two days later. And at this point, Paul, I'm down to 117 pounds. Like I lost like 40 whatever pounds. And I'm hooked up to all these IVs and I'm malnourished and wasn't taking care of them. It was the darkest time in my life. Like I thought I died and maybe part of me kind of wished I would because I felt like such a burden to people and just felt like nothing. And when I had, I said there had to be a better way. And the nurse came in at that exact moment and brought in some tea. And on the mug was a picture of Albert Einstein, the guy I did the book report on, right? This genius. And on it was a quote that said, the same level of thinking that has created your problem won't solve your problem. And I was like, wow, what's my problem? I have a broken brain. I'm a very slow learner. And I was like, well, how do I think differently about it? Well, maybe I could learn to fix my brain. Maybe I could learn how to learn better. And I was like, where do you do that? Well, school, right? So I asked the nurse to bring me a course bulletin for courses next semester. And I started looking through the, start turning the pages, hundreds of classes, all classes on what to learn math and history and science and Spanish, there are zero classes on how to learn those subjects, right? So I put my studies aside because I wasn't making traction in that. And I started studying these books and I just started studying adult learning theory and multiple intelligence theory, ancient mnemonics. Like I wanted to know what did people do before there were like printing presses? Like how do they remember things and pass stuff? And about 60 days into it, doing this kind of research for my development, a light switch flipped on and I started to understand things for the very first time. And my grades shot up, but also my life, my confidence, my self-worth. And the, the bow on this story is I couldn't help but help other people because I was really pissed. I was like, I suffered for a decade and a half when there were simple things that people could do that I could have done to make things easier for myself. Because I was working three times harder as everybody, still being the worst, right? And so... I started to tutor and my very first student, she was a freshman in college. She read 30 books in 30 days, not skim or scan. She read them. And I wanted to find out not how I, I taught her how I want to know like her purpose, like why, because most people know what to do, but they don't do it. Right. And I found out her mother was dying of terminal cancer. Doctors gave her mom two months to live 60 days. And the books she was reading were books to save her mom's life. And she ended up doing so. And when I found that out six months later, it just changed everything. I realized that if knowledge is power, then learning is our superpower. And it's a superpower we all have. We're just not taught how to do it right. Yeah. So, so this girl read books that changed the course of her mom's life. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, she, I mean, and it's interesting because a lot of people with reasons you get results, right? If you don't have a reason to remember names or to remember what you read or to, to work out, you're not going to do it consistently, right? You need, a, you need a reason to get the reward. I think things have to go from your head to your heart to your hands. You could visualize the body that you want and set, you know, metrics around it or, you know, any area of your life, your career, your income. But if you're not acting with our hands consistently, we have to check in with the heart, right? The emotions, because we're not logical, we are biological. You think about dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, or we like it's feeling chemical soup. But yeah, three H's, head, heart, hands aligned. And then, you know, people could certainly become more unstoppable. Significant improvements from concussion. Check out this review on mood, memory, and brain from Heart and Soil Supplements. We'll be right back to the podcast, guys. This is what this 
person says about moon memory and brain, I have been dealing with cognitive impairments for the past four years due to multiple severe concussions. I've tried multiple modalities to restore normal brain function with only mild improvements, including supplements, very expensive hyperbaric oxygen therapy. I do eat lots of organs sourced from a local rancher, but I have no access to brain where I live on the big island of Hawaii. After just two days on mood memory and brain from heart and soil, I experienced significant improvements in focus and faster cognitive function. I've been taking daily for almost a month and positive effects just keep coming. After four years of a slow brain, short-term memory loss and lack of focus, I'm finally starting to feel like myself again. This product is a game changer, has provided more benefit than any medical professional. I'm so grateful to Heart and Soil for offering this amazing nutrition. Mahalo, Heart and Soil. So I'm so proud of what we're doing at Heart and Soil. All of our supplements are grass-fed, grass-finished, regeneratively raised from New Zealand. Moon memory and brain is a really special one because there are so many unique nutrients in brain. Moon memory and brain also contains liver and bone marrow along with brain, but so many unique nutrients in brain that have been studied in human clinical trials, but it's basically impossible to get a hold of brain. So we sourced it for you from heart and soil supplements from exclusively New Zealand regenerative cattle. I should mention that there has never ever been a case of bovine spongiform encephalopathy in New Zealand. These are free from prion diseases completely. This is the safest, cleanest brain you can ever get in moon memory and brain. And the reviews really tell the story. Unique benefits for all sorts of things that people experience, mood, cognitive improvements. So if you have any of these issues or want to try any of our supplements, check us out at heartandsoil.co. All of our supplements are only in glass. Plastic is bullshit. Don't want to support that. We do a lot of things at Heart and Soil that I think make us special. Again, all of our organs in this supplement are sourced from New Zealand. And these are the finest on the planet. Do not accept substitutes. Chilean, Argentinian organs, these are not nearly as good. They're certainly not regeneratively raised as New Zealand or Australian as New Zealand-based organs. That's why we put them in here. I wanted to build something that was the finest on the planet for you guys. Check us out at heartandsoil.co. And this is a podcast with Jim Quick. So here's your, here's your very relevant supplement to go along with this podcast. Back to the podcast with my friend Jim Quick. Do you think then that if someone is struggling to learn something, whether it's a child in school or an adult, that am I oversimplifying it if, if I say it's start with why? Why do you want to learn it in the first place? Like start with the purpose? Is that a good place to start? I think you need three things to become truly limitless. Um, so limitless as a title of my book was very specific. Because some people could say like, oh, that's not even possible. Limitless sounds too aspirational. But limitless is not about being perfect. Limitless is about advancing and progressing beyond what you currently are demonstrating or what you currently believe is possible. So I believe there are three forces. So we turn this into a total masterclass. So for your listeners, the opposite of making progress is being stuck. So I want everybody who's listening to think about an area where you're not getting traction. You're just stalled. You're stuck in a box, right? Now that imagine that box. It could be your income, your health, your reading speed, your memory, whatever, right? If you're stuck in that box, a box by definition is three-dimensional, right? There are three forces that contain that box, right? It's 3D. The same three forces will liberate you out of that box. And I call it the limitless model. Uh, it's, it's people have the book, they, then they, have, they know what the image actually looks like inside, something like this, like a Venn diagram. And so the idea here is there are three forces because you control the controllables, right? You can't control the environment or everything, economic, whatever's going on, but you can control three things. And there are three M's, and I tend to alliterate a lot to make it easier to remember. So the first M is your mindset, right? And I'll get to your answer for purpose because it's the second M. So 
it's mindset. So you could be stuck in that box because you don't believe it's possible for you to get out of that box, or you don't believe maybe it's possible for somebody else, but you don't feel like you're capable of, right? So in that box, mindset for me, this definition of mindset, because we hear it a lot, my definition of mindset is the set of assumptions and attitudes you have about something, right? Your attitudes, assumptions about money, your attitudes, assumptions about what's healthy mean, right? Your attitudes, assumptions about yourself. So three things to think about in this area are what I believe is possible, what I believe I'm capable of, because people could think, well, it's possible for Paul. It's not, um, it's not possible for me, right? And the third thing, if we're going to get really raw in this conversation, what you believe you deserve, right? If you don't believe you deserve to be happy or healthy, you could have the greatest methods, but you're going to self-sabotage. You take one step forward and two steps back. So you have to unlimit your mindset. And so in the section on mindset and limit, because when I wrote the initial book a few years ago, I was like, it was all methodology, how to remember names, how to learn languages, how to read three times faster, right? How to solve problems, all the things I thought should have been taught in school. But before I hit send to my publisher, I was like, I asked myself this question. I was like, will 100% of the people who read this book get the results they're hoping for? And the honest answer was no, because a lot of people know. Your listeners probably have forgotten more about health, wellness, fitness, diet, than most of their friends and family will ever learn, right? So common sense is not common practice. You still have to adjust for the mindset, you know, in terms of, because all behavior is belief-driven. If you want to new, create a new result in your life with your body or health, whatever, your energy levels, some metric, you know, that you're, that you're hold important, you have to do a new behavior. In order to do that behavior, you need a belief that says it's possible. So for example, at events, uh, if audience, if, if your audience has seen me, I'll, if there's time, I'll do this demonstration where maybe I will pass around a microphone and hundred people will introduce themselves and I'll memorize all their names or they'll give me a hundred numbers or hundred words and I'll memorize them forwards and backwards. But I would tell people, I don't do this to impress you. I do this to express you what's possible because the truth is you could do it too. And I'm talking to the person listening, regardless of your age, your background, your career, your education level, your diet, your financial situation, gender, history. IQ. I've been doing this for over 30 years and we have a lot of data. We have students literally in every country of the world. And we know that it's not how smart you are. It's how are you smart, right? It's just, we weren't taught how to do these things. You know, the, the world has changed a lot. We live in an age of autonomous electric cars, spaceships going to Mars, but our vehicle of choice when it comes to learning, it's like prehistoric. It's like a horse and buggy, right? We're just doing road repetition or just something that's just mind dullingly slow and not getting us the result for today's age. So going back to this, at events, people say, I'm so glad you're here. I know you're this memory coach. I have a horrible memory. Or I'm too old. I'm really stupid. And I always say, stop. If you fight for your limitations, you get to keep them. If you fight for your limits, they're yours, right? Your mind is this incredible supercomputer. I just want to remind people. And your self-talk is the program it will run. So if you tell yourself, I'm not good at remembering people's names, you will not remember the name of the next person you meet. Because you program your supercomputer not to. Because your mind is always eavesdropping on your self-talk. So the mindset had to be taken care of first in the book before we get to methods. But the second M, so the last one is methods, right? But the second M, going to your, your question, is motivation, right? Somebody could be in that box and they can have a limitless mindset of what they believe is possible, capable, what they deserve, and still be stuck because they're not motivated to get out of that box, right? And so the key for motivation is three things. This is the formula for limitless motivation, to motivate yourself or to motivate somebody else to do something. You need three things. The formula is P times E times S3. P 
times E times S3. So let's, let's break that down. The first thing you need is the question you asked. You need purpose. You need to feel that. Um, here's an example. A lot of people know what to do here in their head, but they're not doing it because they're not feeling it. The key to a long-term memory, by the way, is information by itself is forgettable, but information tied with emotion mm -hmm. becomes unforgettable. We all have, Paul, you probably have like a song, you can hear a few notes, it could take you back to when you're a teenager, right? Because the feeling is, is, is what helps you to, that part of your middle brain, right? We have that, that seahorse looking hippocampus for memory and it's attached to this almond-shaped amygdala, you know, for, for emotions. Emotions and, and memory are very closely linked. Maybe it's a fragrance or food could take you back to when you're a child, right? So the emotion most people felt back in school was boredom, right? And a scale of zero to 10, that's zero. And if it's information times emotion is a memory and that's boredom or zero, what's anything times zero? Zero. So people wonder why, why did I forget the periodic table, right? Because it was emotional state because all learning is state dependent. But going back to purpose, how I'll illustrate it is, let's take working out, right? We as an example. We all know it's good for your brain. You create BDNF, you have increased you know, dopamine, serotonin, endorphins, right? It's all good for your brain, oxygen flow, blood flow. But if you're not doing it on a regular basis, where's the purpose? Meaning, I saw this guy on the street the other day and I didn't recognize him, but I, but I thought I did. You know, and I'm a memory expert, right? So like, I'm like checking myself. I'm like, wait, what's going on here? And when he said hello to me, after I heard his voice, I knew who he was. But he looked totally different from the last time I saw him. I mean, he looked 10 years younger. He was like fit. And I was, you know, this person years and years before I last saw him was very overweight, very unhealthy. He took pride in being unhealthy, you know, that kind of idea. That was his identity. And I was like, what did you do? This is amazing. And he started telling me all the things that he does. And I'm like, dude, we've been telling you, our, you know, our friends have been telling you this for years, right? You never did anything. And he was like, yeah, but I, I, one day he's like, I came back from a business trip and my daughter was crying hysterically and she had this dream that I died and all this stuff, right? And he found purpose. That's what I mean about having a reason that you could feel as opposed to just in your mind. So P, that's the P is tapping into the, the purpose because reasons reap results. But then somebody can have purpose to work out or if people seen pictures with me on, if we're connected on social media with Oprah or Elon or whoever, people say, how do you connect and how do you bond? We bonded over books, right? Because leaders are readers, right? If somebody has decades of experience like you do, and you put it into a book and someone could read that book in a few days, they could download decades into days. That's an incredible, that's the biggest advantage you could have, right? And learning from other people. But if you're not reading every day, maybe the, you lack the second thing, even if you know the purpose, that the faster you learn, the more you can earn and all this. Knowledge is not only power, it's profit today. You need the E, which is energy, right? Like we have a 10-month-old. And holy moly, like I'm just not sleeping just because it's just like, and he's teething and he's up all night and everything. And obviously we, you know, I talk about sleep optimization and we train people all the time in the subject matter. But if you're not sleeping three nights in a row, you're not gonna be very motivated talking about motivation to work out. Or, you know, if you had a big processed meal and you're in a food coma, you're not gonna be very motivated to read that day or to do anything. So you have to master your energy. So one of the largest chapters in the book is, 10 levers to maximize your, your mental energy. And then finally, somebody could have limitless purpose and limitless energy and still not be motivated because I realize that sometimes the thing you want is too abstract or it's too big. Like I want the perfect eight pack and perfect body or meet the person in my dreams, live happy ever after or have 100,000 followers, whatever, right? 
S3, P times E times S3, stands for small, simple steps. Because an intimidated mind or a confused mind doesn't do anything, right? Even if you're trying to influence and motivate them to buy your product or service, you know, a confused mind's not going to do anything. So a small, simple step, let's say somebody doesn't work out, even though they know it's good for them and they have purpose and everything, maybe a small, simple step is putting on your running shoes, you know, or your workout shoes. Maybe, you know, reading is so important, but that's not part of somebody's habit. So maybe a small, simple step, opening up a book, reading one line in a book. I just have, we have a podcast. It's a, just a 20 minute show. It's quick, right? We've done for like 400 episodes and we had a biological dentist talking about oral health as helping your, your brain health, right? And we we're talking about flossing and I was like, people don't, a lot of, you can't get your kids to floss. Maybe small, simple step, get them to floss one tooth. No one's going to stop at one tooth. So I believe inch by inch, it's a cinch, yard by yard, it's too hard. And how do you find your S3, your small, simple step? This is the magic question. And I ask myself this 10 times a day. When I feel stalled or intimidated or confused or feeling I procrastinate, I just say, what is the tiniest action I could take right now that will give me progress towards this goal where I can't fail? What is the tiniest action I could take now, operative word now, that will give me progress towards this goal? I'm getting, I'm getting traction going towards something as opposed to a way where I can't fail. And that's what will give you your, your small, simple steps. So I really think for people who want to overcome procrastination to do the things they know they're supposed to do, purpose, energy, small, simple steps. Love it. So I think about surfing because that's something I want to get better at. And immediately I'm kind of identifying with your mindset ideas. Because in my mind, I'm thinking, I'm just an average surfer. I'm intermediate. That's all I'll ever be. I have friends who are amazing, but I'll never be that good. So I think like, okay, just for me, with surfing, I need to think, no, I could be really, really good at surfing, even though I just started surfing five years ago or something, which is surfing is so hard that it takes a long time to progress. But there's a lot of mindset limitation that I have with regard to surfing specifically for me. And I love surfing. So I have a purpose. The purpose is kind of just like, it's fun. It puts me in the ocean, connecting with nature. I have energy to do it. But sometimes if I'm thinking about small, simple steps, sometimes it's like, it's valuable for me just to drive to the beach yeah, and, or just to wax the surfboard. Like what's, like you said, I'm trying to make this something that I can think of. Like if I just wax my surfboard and put it in the back of my car, it's more likely that I'm going to drive to the beach. And if I drive to the beach, it's more likely that I'm going to paddle out. And I don't yeah. usually, generally, if the waves are like moderate size, I'm happy surfing. The problem that I have which is something I talked to Laird Hamilton about when he was on the podcast is that when the waves are big, I'm scared. It's like, fuck. but if I can just get to the beach and look at the ocean, it's more likely that I'm going to go out on the big days or the waves that are bigger for me, relatively speaking. Cause I think that for me, one of the impediments to me progressing as a surfer is I need to surf bigger waves, more aggressive waves, more hollow waves. And those are also the things that intimidate me. So it's like this constant process of moving on my surfing, I'm probably not going to get better at surfing waves than I'm super comfortable with. I have to do something challenging, but something challenging sometimes doesn't feel good. So if I take the small, simple steps, I'm more likely. I mean, I think the other day I had a, you know, a little victory where I show up to the beach and I think, hmm, that looks like I'm probably going to get smashed a little bit, but I'm just going to paddle mm -hmm. out. My goal is just to get to the lineup. And then if I get to the lineup, which is where you get past all the white water and all the breaking waves, my goal is to catch one wave. <laughs> <laughs> and I kind of tell myself, like, if I can catch one wave, I'm good. 
And then if I catch one wave, I try and catch a second wave. And sometimes on the big days, I only catch two waves and I'm like, I'm good. But, yeah. but for me, it's a victory. And so there's a lot of application for me with the surfing thing um, and yeah. like how to actually do those things specifically. I'm, I'm curious because I, I know I'm curious about this and my audience is probably going to be curious. What, what things was your friend doing who looked so much better and had lost all the weight? Things that we've always told, but like, what was he doing? Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, we didn't go deep in, into the conversation because you know, it was kind of like a, kind of a quick visit. But obviously the, the things that, that moved the, the needle, mostly it was exercise and diet and just stop smoke. You know, like there's only, I realize we did a podcast on this recently that you can only make, if you want, people want change, right? Change is different than growth, right? Change is eventually, is, it happens kind of naturally a lot of times, you know, because of uh, this this ecosystem, we have to really react to certain things, but growth is definitely a choice. And I believe every single day we have a chance because we have a choice. And so his levers were stop doing something. So you can make four choices to make progress on something, right? There's only four choices. You either start something, you either stop something, you do more of something, or you do less of something, right? The only fifth choice is not do anything, you know, and then results don't change because that's the in- definition of insanity, right? And so like he was doing, you know, he stopped something, which was smoking, right? He started something, which was exercise and whatever, you know, all that stuff. He started to eat, eat better and then eat less of the things that were not so good for him. Like he's not a health expert by any stretch, but this was the results that he was getting, you know, from this. But we could definitely go into the, the science-based things in terms of what could absolutely make your brain more healthy. You know, I, I work on two levels, like the hardware and the software. Meaning the software is the accelerated learning part, how to memorize the speech without notes, you know, how to learn facts and figures and names and faces and read, you know, read faster, all that stuff. But I realized that you get out of the software, but you also have to take care of the hardware, right? It's really hard if you're not taking care, if you're stressed out of your mind, you know, or if you're eating like a lot of processed foods uh, and refined foods to be able to read faster if, you're, if your mind is not, not right. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. I'd love to get there to talk about the hardware in a moment. Can we talk about a method for a moment yeah. before? Yeah. Because you gave this example of you memorizing a hundred people's names in the audience. Yeah. How do you do that? Yeah. A lot of strategies we have, um, like we put over a dozen in the book and that's not kind of a pitch for a book, but it kind of is, <laughs> <laughs> but in terms of the time we have, uh, I'll give people a couple ideas. So first it's remember mom. MOM. And I, I'm using acronym as short form in this podcast because it's a tip because training, you know, takes a little bit more time, right? The M, well, let's say this. I'm talking to your listeners and you could act and speak for your listeners because you know them. Let's say people have trouble remembering names. And that's 95% of people, right? Now, first of all, is it important? I think it is. I think it's one of the most important networking, business etiquette skills there is because how are you going to show somebody you're going to care for their health, their finances, their family, their future, whatever you're offering them, if you don't care enough just to remember their name, right? They say a name is the sweetest sound to a person's ears. Um, and I think I forgot are some of the costly words in life and business. I forgot to do it. I forgot what I read. I forgot what I was going to say. I forgot this conversation. I forgot to go to that meeting. I forgot that name, whatever. On the other side, memory can make you a whole lot of money and, and other areas, right? When you easily remember client information, product information, sales scripts, talking points, go on video and not need a teleprompter, all that, just like gets easier. So, but going to this, the belief I have is that 
because we always start with mindset, is there's no such thing as a good or bad memory. There's a trained memory and there's an untrained memory, right? And we're just not trained. They teach you three R's in this in the U.S. school system: reading, writing, arithmetic, and obviously two of those don't even spell with start with an R, so spelling is not one of them. But what about retention? Right? Socrates said learning is remembering. And so that's why it's so important to be able to teach these kind of skills. But let's say somebody has trouble remembering names and you had a suitcase for them, million dollars cash, if they just remember the name of the next stranger that they meet. Who's going to remember that person tax-free? Who's going to remember that person's, you know, who's going to remember that name? Everybody. All your listeners remember the person's name. So it had nothing, I'm going to put in my, as a brain coach, memory coach, I'm going to call people on their BS, right? Their belief systems. It had nothing to do with your ability to remember names. You can, the first M in mom, motivation. You need to tap into the reason. So just simple thing, ask yourself before you meet somebody, why do I want to remember this person's name? Maybe it's to show the person respect. Maybe it's to get a referral. Maybe it's to close a deal. Maybe it's to practice these things I learned in this podcast, right? Come up with a couple of reasons. You're more likely to get the result. The O in mom is observation. And I'm going to tell you, most people, they blame their retention when it's their attention. You're meeting somebody first time and goodness, like how many people are actually really paying attention? Like usually people are looking over your shoulder, seeing who else is there, right? They're talking to themselves, thinking about how they're going to respond in the conversation. So they're not forgetting a name. They're just not hearing the name. I, I remember years ago, I went to a fundraiser. This story will illustrate like how to remember names. It's 2,000 people. I was like the first one at our table that was assigned to me. And when I sit down, uh, a short while after, Forrest Whitaker, the actor, sits right next to me. And then Branson, Richard Branson, sits next to him. Then Ashton Kutcher and his twin brother, which I didn't realize he had a twin brother. And then President Clinton sits right next to me. And politics aside, right? But this is what happened. He remembered my name when he sat down. He greeted me by my name. And I had met him a few years earlier, and it was, it was very brief but he remembered my name. And I was like, wow. And I was like, oh, they told him who was sitting at his table, obviously. And then I swear he picks up the conversation we had three years earlier. Now, nobody was privy to that. And, and I was like, dude, I, I had to say, excuse me, I, I'm a memory guy. How do you do this? Right? And he's telling me that his grandfather in Arkansas in the living room would tell stories to the kids. And, but afterwards, he would quiz each one individually to see if they were paying attention. Right. And when he's explained this to me, this is the lesson. I felt this like ease, but also I was like, this is weird. Like, I feel like I'm the only one in the room. There are much more important people in this room, certainly at this table than me, but he made me feel like I was the only one. Mm -hmm. Have you ever met someone like that? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And it was just like that kind of feeling where, and I think his, again, politics aside, his ability, he's known as a great communicator charismatic, you're a connector, but he has this incredible memory and powerful presence. And I think his incredible memory and his powerful presence comes from being powerfully present. And I feel like a lot of times when we're meeting people at a party or at a wedding or at work, we're not really just, we're not there, right? Even if people write down the word, listen, if they're taking notes, we can turn this into a little masterclass again, or even in your mind, look at the word, listen in your mind. And as a brain game, switch the letters around and scramble them. It also spells another word perfectly. It spells the word silent hmm. as a reminder, just, hey, don't be thinking about what you're going to say. Just people, you know, just like listen, and then you're more likely to remember it. And then finally, the other M and mom are the methods. 
which which are a lot of them. And I'll go through one really quick one. When you're at an event, you want to remember names. As you're checking yourself in the mirror, say to yourself, I'm going to be suave, suave, right? And it's kind of just a fun like acronym. The S, when you meet somebody, they introduce themselves. S, say the name. Say it back to them. Because it means you get to see or hear it twice, once from them and once for yourself. Plus, if you're in an environment where there's a lot of noise, you want to make sure you know you heard the name right. You don't want to have a 30-minute conversation with Ted and say goodbye, Ed, right? You want to make sure you get corrected up front. So that's the S, say. The U, use the name in the conversation, you know, and not abuse it. You don't say, Paul, I've been looking forward to this conversation. Paul, you know, I, I, what do you want to talk about? That would be an abuse, right? But you want to use it three or four times in the context of the conversation. The A in SUAVE, the acronym is ASK. Have you ever met somebody whose name you haven't heard before, like it's a unique name? You know, what can you ask about a person's name? You could ask, how do I spell it? Where's it from? You know, who are you named after? What, what does your name mean? You know, there's all these questions you could ask. People are actually flatter. Like when people, we started this conversation talking about our last names, right? It's the name is the sweetest sound to a person's ears. And, and I remember I did this at a insurance company, largest insurance company here in the States. And the training director's name was Nankita, Nankita. And I was like, wow, it's a beautiful name. And I did this in front of her coworkers. So I was like a couple hundred people. And I was like, what is it? How do you spell it? Where is it from? What does it mean? When I said, what does it mean? She didn't answer me. I was like, what does it mean? And she looked at her coworkers. It means graceful falling waters. I was like, wow, that's pretty beautiful. And then based on the reaction of her coworkers, I was like, how long have you worked here? She was like, seven, eight years. Uh, with all these people? Yeah, a lot of them were at my wedding. And I said, I talked to her coworkers. I was like, out of 200 people, I said, how many of you knew that's what her name meant? And out of 200 people, how many people raised their hand? None, right? And so I just feel, and then that ended up being a long-term client because the name is, is a gateway for so much, so much more in a, in a relationship. But my point here in, in saying this, you could ask about a person's name. And then finally, the V and the E, the V is visualize. And that's what I do when I memorize a lot of people's names because I'm not like using it and saying, because I have to do it kind of quick. I visualize the person's name. And what does that mean? We generally think in pictures more than we do. Uh, the real estate of our visual cortex is larger than other parts of our brain, right? And most of us are visual creatures. And a picture is worth a thousand words, right? You go on an airplane, it doesn't say like no smoking anymore, fasten your seatbelt. There's a picture, right? And that's the universal language. In fact, we tend to remember things we see better than what we hear because you remember people's face, right? But you forget the name, right? You never you go to someone and say, I remember, I remember your face, but I forgot your name. You never go to someone and say the opposite. You never go to someone and say, I remember your name, but I forgot your face, right? But there's a proverb that says, what I hear, I forget. What I see, I remember. What I do, I understand. What I hear, I forget. Heard the name, forgot it. What I see, I remember. I saw the face, I remember it. And what I do, going back to the power of practice, you really understand. Because if you don't, if you can't do it, you don't know it, right? But anyway, if you tend to remember what you see, then try seeing what you want to remember. So you take the name and you turn it into a picture and you just associate that picture of the person. So an example is if a person's name is Bob, I take for a split second, I imagine they're bobbing for apples. And the first thing people will say was, that's kind of childish. But who are the fastest learners on the planet? you know, children, right? They're playful. They make mistakes. They make fun of names. I like, we grew up, right? I was, you know, Nestle quick or you know, quick slow. I was I'll call Jim slow, right? There's just all these things, but that's how children learn. They're playful. If a person's name is Mary, just for a split second, imagine she's carrying two lambs underneath her arms. Mary had a little lamb and that just reminds you. And the thing is it works 
even when it doesn't work, it works because it gets you to focus on the person and focus on the name. And that observation will, and then attention is going to help you to remember the name. So a person's name is David. I just imagine flipping them in the nose with a slingshot for David and Goliath, mm-hmm. right? And then the person's name is Carol. They're singing Christmas carols or whatever. Something that sounds like it. Because a lot of times people do this unconsciously. They forget a name and they'll start going, does it start with an A? Does it start with a B? Does it start with a C? And they get very nervous when it gets to like W because there's not a lot of letters that are, that are left. But sometimes it works, right? You come with E, Elliot. Right. But imagine having an actual picture. So people could easily go online and just search their country's like top male names, 100 male names, 100 female names. And in the States, talk about working smart and sharpening the saw. If you come up with a picture for the first 100 male names, most popular male names, that's 60% of the people you're going to meet. For women, there's more variety. So that's the first 100 names is 40%. But you'll have an upset picture every single time. That you're, that you're with with somebody, so it's just it's just a wonderful way to remember things better. And then finally, the E in suave is end. Always end the conversation saying goodbye with their name, right? Because if you could walk into a room of twenty strangers and leave saying goodbye to every single one of them by name, who are they all going to remember? They're all going to remember you, right? That's a, that's an absolute standout skill. Did you do that? Do you do that? Have you looked at like? The top 100 names for men and women. Do you already yeah. have the pictures in your head? Then mm-hmm. this is like your toolkit. You already know what picture you're associating. You're not generating that picture in the moment. You already know. Yeah. And if I meet unique people like Rüdiger, I'll make it up on the spot. Something that sounds like you're playing Pictionary. Remember the beginning of Pictionary? You have to draw on a piece of yeah. paper or whatever, like something that sounds like the person and get them to say it. So you could come up with something that just sounds close to it similar to how people use like a letter to remind them mm-hmm. of the name. But yeah, that's a, a smart way of doing it. People say, well, that's a lot of effort. No, it's a lot of effort for getting people's names all the time and having to ask three or four times. And it's not just effort, it's, it's embarrassing. And so, and it's, it's, it's a, it's, the technique is designed to overcome what I call the six second syndrome. When somebody introduces themselves and tells you that you have six seconds to do something with that name, otherwise it's gone. As soon as that handshake breaks, it's going right down to the floor. Right. And so it gets you to focus on the person and focus on the name. And that's going to, you know, help you to better remember it for sure. It's totally true, Jim. And this is crazy because I've had this experience where I meet someone and then six seconds later, I think, oh, shit, I forgot their name. And then I'm embarrassed and I think, what do I do now? Right. And then what makes it worse is when that person has the audacity to remember your name or you're talking to someone whose name you should know. Maybe it's not a short term issue, it's a long term issue. And you're talking to someone's name, you know, you met them a couple of times and you don't remember the name. And then somebody comes up and you have to like introduce these two people, <laughs> you know, and then you come up with, it's kind of, it's like a Seinfeld episode, you know, taking real life. Actually, there was a Seinfeld episode where he was dating somebody intimate with her and forgot her name. <laughs> and every single time, like she goes to the bathroom, he tried to go through her purse to find out her driver's license or George would walk in and introduce himself, try hoping you know, she says her name and everything. It rhymed with the part of female anatomy. That's that's it. Yeah, that was the that was the uh, punchline at the end of the show. Um, yeah. Well, what was her name? I'm trying to think. It was Dolores. Dolores. <laughs> um, but it's so common with, with and my my thing here is we don't have to go through that frustration, embarrass, and put a lot of energy to it. There's simple things people could do to be able to do that, and that's just not just names. It's it's anything you want to be able to remember. There's a what looks like magic when people can do this, there's a method. And that, that, that's what we research and we 
we, we teach and put in the book. And I think that this, this point, I appreciate you emphasizing it. And I hadn't really thought about it until this conversation. Just simply talk about small, simple steps, not necessarily in this context, but knowing people's names, like that will advance your career, life, dating life, everything you do in community, remembering people's, I mean, like, how is that not taught in school? Like, if you remember people's names, you will earn more, have better relationships, better friendships. I, I, I can't even think, I'm, just, I'm struck at this moment at how much in my life I've underestimated the importance of this one simple skill. And this is not really, this is just a little piece of our conversation. And also you have more confidence. You know, it's one of those things where you could walk into a room and you could own more of that room and be more bold because you just, you have that skill set that you have for the rest of your life. So the bad news is it takes a little bit of effort, you know, to just get used to it a little bit. But then the, the, the really good news is it doesn't take as much as you think. Like once you know how to park a car or, you know, tie your shoes or type, that that's how you do it. Right. And so like, I'm really good at remembering names, but I haven't improved much after the first 30, 60 days of learning how to do it. Cause once you know how to do something, it's just what you do. Yeah. And so I think names is a good example because I think that's something people struggle with, but it's also remembering what you read, right? Remembering conversations that you have, remember things that you need to do or a speech you need to be able to give a Ted talk or sales presentation on video. It just makes life so much easier. And then that competence gives you confidence, right? In, in psychology, they call it the competence confidence loop, right? You become competent at it and then you get more confidence. And because you're confident, you're going to do it more. So you get more competence and it just, it's a positive feedback loop. Yeah. Yeah. And this is, I, I feel that all the time. I mean, I've done a few, sometimes I like to have people on my podcast who I disagree with, cardiologists talking about cholesterol or seed oil debates. And mm -hmm. in the beginning, in preparation for those things, I'm never very excited about it <laughs> because I'm not, I, I may not, you know, it's sometimes I have to review the data, but as I do the research before the podcast and I become more competent, I'm more yeah. confident and it gets more exciting. And I think, Oh, as I, and the same thing goes with like reading, you know, like we teach people how to read three times faster and understand more uh, of it. Cause it's not just speed reading. It's, it's smart reading, but most people don't do it because they're not good at it. And what you're good at, like, I don't know. I don't play a lot of golf, but truthfully, because I get invited a bunch, but because I'm not that good at it. And we tend to do things more if we're good at it. And it becomes more fun when we're good at it. But for reading, like it's a skill. No one was born and just started reading magazines in the waiting room, right? We were taught. But when's the last time we took, we upgraded those skills? When's the last time you took a class called reading, Paul? How old were you? Six? Probably. Seven? Yeah. So the difficulty and demand is exponential, but how we read it, is the same. So that growing gap creates what they call, they call information fatigue syndrome. Everything's a syndrome, right? Higher blood pressure, compression, leisure time, more sleeplessness, right? Just we're just drowning in information. It's like taking a sip of water out of fire hose. I mean, how many people here listening, you have books on your shelf you haven't read yet and it becomes shelf help, not self-help, right? <laughs> and I sort of remind people buying a book is a different skill set than reading a book. <laughs> Um, for people who just love putting books in their cart for Amazon. The thing with Limitless Expanded is this is the book that will help you read all other books. And that's what I'm really proud of, right? Because it's teaching you how to focus, how to read faster, how to remember better, how to take notes, how to implement what you learn. I think it's the greatest advantage. An individual ability to learn rapidly and translate that learning to action. I mean, what can you apply that to? 
everything. Like literally, if there was a genie who could grant you any one learning wish, but one learning wish to help you become an expert in any subject or skill, you know, people could think of anything, but I would choose learning how to learn. Because if you can learn how to learn, focus, remember, think, read faster, all that, what can you apply it to? Medicine, money, marketing, martial arts, Mandarin, music, everything gets easier after that, right? It's the lead domino. You take care of that domino, everything else gets easier. And it's underemphasized. It is the lead domino and it's underemphasized. This isn't a perfect comparison, but I think there's a lot of interest in artificial intelligence today. And I was just listening to Elon on Rogan's podcast. Um, Incidentally, it's a hilarious podcast because Joe Rogan tried to shoot an arrow into Elon's uh, Cybertruck. It did not go through the door, spoiler alert. But, um, you know, they're talking about AI and Elon's concern about AI and the safety of AI. But like, I think that what, in some ways, again, maybe not the perfect comparison, artificial intelligence is really good at learning things. And everyone's thinking, oh, this is a super powered being that we're creating, quote unquote, because it can just learn everything. All, All you need to do is give it code, it learns it. Well, if you can create a little bit of that, if you can, if we can kind of harness a little bit of that AI ability to learn things, we can, you can really upgrade who we are as a human, like a a biological being can also be, have those powers to some extent. Um, Let's talk a little bit about the hardware and how you think to keep it healthy. I mean, we talked some methods. I've talked a lot about this on my podcast, but I'm sure my listeners will want to know from your perspective, how do you keep your brain healthy in terms of the hardware stuff? The neurons, all these cells. Yeah. So research, some research suggests that our brain's potential or performance is about a third predetermined by genetics and biology, and but two thirds in our control and our influence. But regardless of that, we have we have more influence than we realize. Let's just say that. And this is something I'm very passionate about because not only did I have a traumatic brain injury and learning disabilities, but I lost my, my grandmother to Alzheimer's. So it's something that just, I, at seven years old. And so when I was going through my brain challenges, I was just very curious, like, you know, when she was kind of fading, fading away. So um, we donated 100% of the proceeds to uh, Alzheimer's research for women. Women are twice as likely to experience Alzheimer's than men, and also to build schools. We've funded full schools in Ghana, Guatemala, Kenya. So I'm just very passionate about, about the book and when people get their education, a child's getting their education, you get a brain, you know, better brain and, and so does the research for other people. But going back to this, there, I mean, some people say we have hundred percent influence on it based on epigenetics and everything, but the 10 levers that I focus on, um, okay, so like I'll go through them and they're common sense. I don't think anyone's going to like debate them. Um, what I would, would ask people to do to make it relevant to them is in the past week, rate yourself zero to 10, how much energy and effort and attention did you put towards each of these 10, right? Because everyone wants to know what the magic pill is, but I don't think there's a pill. I think there's a, a process or some kind of program that you put yourself through. So in no particular order, you can start with diet, a good brain diet, right? And so the, the, what you eat matters, especially for your, your gray matter, right? Whole area of science called neuronutrition. So people could rate themselves zero to 10. Do you have favorite brain foods yourself? Yeah, I mean, liver, <laughs> meat, you know, egg yolks, brain. Although it's hard to get, um, yeah, and people always freak out and feel like I'm going to get prion disease. Uh, I'm still not drooling on myself, so I don't think I have it. But I did eat brains. I ate, I ate baboon brain with the Hadza in Tanzania. Oh, wow. I can't say that 
I've had that experience, but <laughs> we should, we could talk offline on that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you think about that, the foods that are, that are nourishing, you know, egg, eggs is one of my favorites. I know people have different diets and, and everything. Um, but the choline in egg, you know, acetylcholine neurotransmitters is, is very, very good. And so I, I, I like to do some berries. I call them brain berries, you know, the antioxidant are neuroprotective, but people find their diet, but scale zero to 10, because we know on the other side, what's not so good, right? Your listeners are very sophisticated, but brain diet. So zero to 10, how, how, good, how good is it? Whole area of science called neuronutrition. The second thing that could affect your brain, the hardware is our self-talk again. And we talked about this. Dr. Daniel Amen uh, says, kill ants. Killing ants is good for the brain. Ants stands for automatic negative thoughts. Mm-hmm. You know, if you believe you can, believe you can, either way you're right. So even if people come to me and say, I don't have a great memory, just say to yourself, add a little word like yet at the end. I just think it opens up the possibility that something more, because so many people, again, they fight for the limitations and then they get to, to keep them because all behavior is belief driven. You want to create a new result in your life, you need to do a new behavior. And in order to do that new behavior, you need a belief that says that's possible. And that's not to say you have one negative thought and it ruins your life, but it's kind of like food. If, if you ate that one donut, it's not going to ruin your life. But if you ate it multiple times a day, every single day, it's going to have an effect, right? Similar to our thoughts. The, set, the, third, the, the third thing is exercise. We kind of talked about that. Um, what's good for your heart is going to be good for your head. More blood flow, more oxygen. You know, we talked about brain-derived neurotrophic factors. As your body moves, your brain grows. The number one reason you have a brain is to control your movement, right? That's why even with, uh, with our 10-month-old, you know, as, he's, as he was learning to crawl, you know, that cross laterals, you know, very important for, for brain de- development. And also when you move, it's because um, so much now, I don't, I don't just mean doing like CrossFit or whatever people do three times a week. I mean, moving throughout the day because every day we're sitting behind screens. They say sitting is a new smoking. Blood is pulling, you know, into our, our legs, our extremities away from our brain. So just, I always say every 30 to 60 minutes, get up for five or 10 minutes and just go outside, get nature, some sunlight, fresh air and move your body right? In, in different ways. Because even there was even a study at Oxford University saying jugglers, just the act of learning how to juggle, they had more white matter that mm-hmm. actually helped build their brain, right? So as your body moves, your, your brain grooves. So on a scale of zero to 10, how much are you moving the past week, right? Get your steps in, whatever, whatever, whatever your happy movements happens to be. And I, so I think there's certain movements based on the brain animal uh, kind of protocol we put together. Number four, uh, supplements right? This is, this is in your wheelhouse, but if you're not getting the, the choline, if you're not eating eggs and then, then, then supplement it, you know, with it, if you're not getting these antioxidants, then maybe you have to supplement if you're not getting it from foods, if you're not getting, if you're not eating a lot of meat, then you maybe need to supplement with creatine, right? And people think it's just for working out, but it's amazing for cognitive health, right? So supplementation could be very, very important, especially in today's day and age when we're not, we're not, we don't eat the best, you know, especially in a fast kind of lifestyle and the rest really quickly. Number five, the fifth thing you can do for a more limitless brain for your hardware is a positive peer group. Who we spend time with is who we become. We've heard it ad nauseum, but th- there's a truth to it that we're the average of the five people we spend most time with. And I'll give you a more of a science-based reason. We have these uh, mirror neurons, which are kind of in charge for empathy and imitation, where we tend to, just like if you're watching a movie, you can kind of feel what that surfer is doing or what, like you could feel it in your body. And we tend to imitate the people around us, mostly unconsciously. And I always tell people, watch, because these are the things that we imitate. The W, a lot of acronyms here. I hope you were taking notes. Words. We tend to use the same language as the people we spend time with, right? Uh, shared language. The A, actions. 
like whether you smoke or somebody smokes, it's less to do with their biological networks or their neurological networks. It's more to do with their social networks. If your friends smoke, you're more likely to smoke, right? So your actions, the tea and watch, your thoughts. We tend to have to imitate the same thought patterns as people, self-talk as people around us. The C is our character. We maintain the same level of integrity and morality as the people around us because that affects. And then finally, the H in watch, habits. We, st- we have the same kind of habits as the people around us often. If, they, if your friends work out and are very active, and they, you're more likely to do that also as well. If they eat really right and do meal prep or whatever, you're more likely to get engaged in that habit. Remember, first you create your habits, then your habits create you. So positive peer group, zero to 10, because sometimes family members or friends, you know, they're energy vampires and that could affect, you know, a lot of uh, rewire our brain. Number six, clean environment. This is a big one. Hmm. Um, I, I don't think people realize how much your external world affects your internal world. Even when you have things that are messy, it takes energy and memory storage to be able to keep track of where everything is. So, you know, when you, I don't know, clean off your desk or you put things in the right file on your screen, then you have clarity of thought. But I don't just mean that. I mean, clean environment. I mean, look, think about it, like all the off-gassing from furniture and carpets and, you know, clean air and, and water and, and the, you know, the lights in, in office buildings and schools, you know, the fluorescent lights that your eyes are only part of your brain that's outside your skull. And I mean, there's a reason because it's cheap, you know, that's why they have in a lot of those places, but clean environment, EMFs, right? Like you just clean environment, zero to 10. Uh, number seven, sleep. I mean, and how important is sleep to your brain? Your brain doesn't really perform really well the, the you know, the day after you don't get a bad, good night's sleep, you, you know, memory when you sleep for three things for sleep. And I'll give you a couple quick sleep tips. Um, number one, you, you want to sleep for your brain purposes is where you consolidate short to long-term memory. If, a lot, if you have long-term memory issues and it's persistent, maybe get a sleep study, you know, doctor could prescribe it at home, maybe sleep apnea or something's interfering. Um, it's where the kind of sewage system kicks in when you sleep, clean out that, that bad amyloid plaque that potentially lead to brain aging challenges. Um, and also it's when you dream, people don't realize that some of the most incredible inventions in, in culture and literature and art and music came from dream states, mm. meaning Paul McCartney created the song yesterday in his dream. Like a chemist created the framework of the periodic table in his dream. Elias Howe created the sewing machine in his dream. Mary Shelley came up with Frankenstein in her dream. Your, your brain doesn't shut off at night. In some areas, it's a little bit more active, right? So it's doing all this stuff and we teach people how to remember their dreams and everything. People could just, that was a popular podcast that we did, but yeah, sleep. So I would love to know what your, your favorite things you do for sleep. For me, I, I have this ritual going outside and it's not an extensive morning routine, but I have this thing about the elements when I was writing uh, limitless uh, expand. I was in, I did the memory chapter in Greece because I found out that there's actually a goddess of memory and her children are the nine muses of art, science, and literature. Oh, cool. And I was like, wow, they really prioritize. Like it was, it was an important value to remember things. And they have, there's this ancient technique, 2,500 year old, 2,500 years old that I teach people how to memorize speeches with and everything. Um, but also when, when, when we're there going, going back to the power of, 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 of sleep and maximize sleep, I travel a lot and, uh, I could be on three continents in one week, so that could really mess with your sleep. Uh, but I, but at ancient civilizations, Greek, Babylonian times, they, they would believe that the four elements created everything, right? That was a belief system, air, water, fire, earth. So the, the first like 12 minutes of my day, there's always people morning routines and like, you know, what's involved for me, it costs nothing and it takes 12 minutes and, you know, I have a family and I have you know, business and all the responsibilities. But first thing I do is just 
go outside. I get grounded. It just makes me feel good to be barefoot on the ground. I just, just intuitively just feels good. Um, so that's earth, right? And then I do some, I, I hydrate because we can lose up to a pound of water when we sleep mm. to respiration and perspiration. And I had uh, Dr. Lisa Moscone, who's a neuroscientist and nutritionist on, and she was just saying like, hey, just, just a 2% dip in hydration could have could, uh, could dramatically affect your cognitive uh, performance. And seeing hydrated boost your reaction time and your thinking speed upwards of 30%, right? Because your brain is mostly water. So I'll drink water with some kind of like uh, structure in it, like, like electrolytes or something, right? But I'll get earth, I'll get water, I'll get the sun so I can reset my circadian rhythms. Um, and then I will, uh, I will breathe, you know, and do some breathing just to get the, this gets some oxygen in our brain. Um, and so that, and that's simple. And it's like 12 minutes. Then I'll take a cold shower or cold plunge and or jump in the ocean outside and just like, I'll, I'll be good. Um, but going back to sleep, that sunlight is so important first thing in the morning, right? The second thing is I'm very sensitive to caffeine. Um, so I, I'm not one of those people who could do like espresso at night. So I just don't do caffeine past like 12 or two for me because it just, I feel like it stays in my system. And I can see my my numbers change. Um, but the two big, the three biggest things probably outside of direct sunlight first thing in the morning, everybody has an alarm to wake up. I think it's important to have an alarm to go to sleep because mm. your, your your nervous system, your rhythm, they, they love structure. And so sometimes when I know when I have a late night, it's just, or if I eat late, it also affects you know how I sleep in terms of my numbers. Um, but also as a hunter gatherer, the last two, and this is, and your audience is very sophisticated. But I mean, I was given a different like representation as hunter gatherers you would know it'd be time to sleep because they the environment would tell you in two ways it would get darker and it would get colder right so in our in our room like we just keep it on the cold side now we're so cold where it's distracting and it keeps you up uh, but you can take a warm bath or a warm shower or sauna and come out and your core body temperature would drop nice signal for melatonin production um and then dark you know, especially not being on this on on your, on your devices, right? The last hour of the day, don't don't be on your devices because you know the light could kind of fool your mind and think it's still daylight, and then you won't phase down. So sleep zero to ten, and then finally the last things for hardware: protect that hardware, protect your brain. I had three head injuries before age twelve. I wasn't very well supervised, and my parents were just always working. But wear a helmet, avoid those kind of like situations where we're a little careless, right? And so protect your brain is very resilient. But it's also very fragile, right? And having that traumatic brain injury could affect your blood flow and oxygen in that area. And, um, and then finally, nine and 10. Nine is new learnings. And everybody here should get a 10 because, you know, they're listening to this conversation. There was a study done with nuns on longevity where it was on the cover of Time magazine. I don't know if your, your listeners saw it, but it was, um, they wanted to find out how these community of women, because this community had very similar, it was easy, easier to study because the, consistent diet and every, you know, lifestyle, everything. But they said their long lives came from part of it was their emotional faith, uh, their, their gratitude, but the other half, they were lifelong learners. And because of it, it added years to their life and then life to their years. And, um, they called this study aging with grace. People could look it up. I thought that was nice. Doesn't as a nice in spirit of, of, of the study. Um, so how much are you learning every single day? You know, you have a to-do list. I would suggest having a to learn list, right? And then put you know, every 30 days, just add to it. Um, your body, it's the same way. If you want to grow your, your muscles, you give it two things, novelty and nutrition, right? You give it stimulus, some kind of workout, and then you feed it. Same thing with your, your mental muscles. You give it novelty, and then you give it proper nutrition. And then finally, the last thing is stress management. We know chronic stress has potentiality to, to shrink the human brain. 
when you're in fight or flight, you're in your survival brain. You're held hostage there. You, you know, you don't, can't get to your executive functioning, you know, and your creative thinking, your problem solving. And so on a scale of zero to 10, 10 being the best, what mechanisms or methods or tools do you have in place to, to cope with stress? Some people like to dance. Some people like body work. Some people like to meditate. Some people like nature, right? Sometimes it's important to disconnect, to reconnect. Um, so those are the 10 levers that, that we pull. And it's just like, you could do everything and not get a good night's sleep and you're just not going to be who you could be, right? You could do all this and be around energy vampires. You talk about positive peer group and they could just feel like it affects your brain. You do all this, be stressed out of your mind. You can do this and eat, you know, crappy diet. So it's not just one thing. It's just everything. I love it. That's an amazing list. Um, uh, you mentioned supplements. You showed me before the podcast. Do you have a supplement on your desk right there? I do. I do. <laughs> yeah, I, I like that. For people that are just watching. I, I like the, the, the colostrum also as well. Nice. Yeah. Jim's got some hardened soil, whole package and mm -hmm. some colostrum there. So that's exciting. I'm, I was... I, we didn't plan it. I was just very humbled. And I was no, I, I mentioned that because I didn't even realize it was it was yours until until recent. So yeah, and, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. It's cool. I mean, it's hard to get it's hard to get testicles in the United States, so it's cool to get the the desiccated <laughs> testicles in the uh, in the supplement and the colostrum is super valuable too. Um, you mentioned the nighttime routine. I'll share a little bit about mine with the listener, and then uh, we can wrap it up. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for this conversation. I learned a ton, and I hope people will check out your book, Limitless, because there's it's like you said, it's it's a uh, it's, there's a lot of information in there about how to learn and, and just improve our operating system in so many ways. So my nighttime routine is similar. I, I, I eat a few hours before I go to sleep, maybe two or three hours before I go to sleep. I, I'm, I mean, I probably would qualify for like, I have been texted like the grandpa emoji in the past because I'm so consistent <laughs> about going to sleep early. And at yeah. the same time, and I, I won't even say the time that I go to sleep because it's so embarrassing, but it's, um, but it's more, it's, it's, it's more than seven and less than nine uh, when I go to sleep. So it's, it's very early and it's pretty consistent. And I think there's research that, that I've seen, though I couldn't quote it in this moment, that, that if you vary the time that you go to sleep by even 90 minutes, which is actually crazy to me because I can feel definitely 90, I suspect even smaller, your body will be negatively affected. So if I vary the time I go to sleep, even by 30 minutes, I, I start mm. to feel it. I, I feel like I have about a 30 minute window. So that alarm to going to sleep is really amazing. But before I go to sleep at this undisclosed, embarrassingly early time, I will turn off my devices. I have red light filters on the devices. I use red lights in my house. So I have incandescent red bulbs or zero flicker red bulbs. So after dark, and I live in Costa Rica, so it usually gets dark about the same time every night. Uh, after dark, I will turn on the red lights. I don't even have the blue lights on in my house at night. And then I will do things. I'll watch the sunset. I'll ground at night. One of the things I like to do before I go to sleep is put my feet up on the wall. So I really like to do this. Um, and I just, I listen to like theta waves or binaural beats in the, in the headphones. Uh, I don't use Bluetooth headphones because that's a lot of EMFs. Um, so I'll use wired headphones with theta waves and I'll put my feet up on the wall in the red lights um, with a grounding mat on my bed that is actually really grounded. So I'm I, I released a podcast a few weeks ago with a guy that actually came to my house and he showed me that a regular grounding mat plugged into the outlet is full of dirty electricity. So I ran, this is hilarious. I ran a wire outside of my room into the actual ground. Yeah. So there's, there's a metal stake in the ground and a wire that goes from outside my house to the mat on my bed. Anyway, so that's my nighttime routine. Um, and we'll, I'm, I'm sure I'll do some short form content on that if people want more information, but <laughs> 
Jim, I know you've got to run. I, I really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you so much. Yeah. We could talk for hours and I hope that we get to talk a lot yeah. more in the future. Yeah, I would love to give the gift out to everybody. You know, I, I know we didn't have a chance to talk about brain types, but we alluded to it, that I, I created an, an assessment that I feel like it'll be the biggest needle mover in terms of our personal performance, our ability to learn faster, even lead higher relationships. And we have four buckets, four different animals that we can identify with uh, in terms of cognitive types. And it's called CODE, C-O-D-E. The cheetah is the fast acting, uh, action oriented implementer. The O is the logical owl. Uh, that loves data and facts and figures. The D is the visionary dolphin, thinks a lot in pictures and they have great pattern recognition, visualization. And the E, the trait is empathy and uh, great team builders, collaborators. Uh, but once you know your brain animal, it informs all of your learning. So just like there's personalized medicine based on your genetics or personalized nutrition based on your microbiome, we created a methodology that people could access in a very fun way, an easy, simple way to be able to get the personalized learning. And so uh, people could go to mybrainanimal.com and take this four minute quiz. It took about four minutes, right, for you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, just a few minutes. And you'll get detailed information, like a roadmap on how to understand your brain to apply towards reading faster, improve your memory. And I would challenge everyone to actually, we have an AI generated animal that comes, that you get it. You could post it and then just tag us both there so I could see which animals your, your listeners are mostly predominant. Um, and then the last thing is, if people are interested in the book, just go to limitlessbook.com. And I really appreciate uh, us having this conversation. When they go there, they'll get a bonus uh, speed reading memory course. That w so when the book arrives, you're actually going to be able to go through it faster because you'll know how to read faster, improve your memory and your focus. So it's a great way. But I, 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 would, I would love to challenge everyone to take a, a screenshot wherever they're consuming this conversation right now and post it and tag, tag us both, right? Tag Paul, tag myself. And what's one thing you're going to do the next 24 hours that you don't usually do for a better brain? You know, we spit out like 10 different things, brain diet, focus, uh, you know, your sleep, stress management. What's one thing um, and share it. And I'll actually, because you'll tag us, I'll repost uh, a few of my favorites and I'll actually gift out a few copies randomly to just your community as a thank you awesome. for having me thank on you. your show. Thank you so yeah. much. And I took the quiz. We didn't talk about it. I was a cheetah. But uh, yes. you guys should take the quiz too and check it out. And yeah, man, I learned so much. And like I said, I, I look forward to hanging out with you in person and we can eat some eggs and steak together. And, and surf. Yes, yes, come surf, absolutely. All right, thank you, sir. Appreciate it.